Spring is a time of renewal, so why not refresh your home with a little help from Blinds.com? We make getting custom window treatments a minor project with major impact. Choose from premium blinds, shades, and shutters. We even have options for your patio, too. Blinds.com invented a better way to shop for custom window treatments. There's no pushy salespeople in your home or inflated showroom prices. Our design experts can help you find the perfect window treatments on your schedule. We'll even send free samples directly to you. Plus, we can handle the measuring and installation for you. Unlimited window treatments installed for just one low cost. And with Blinds.com, you'll always get transparent pricing. No hidden fees. Our free shipping and 100% satisfaction guarantee can put the spring back into your step. And into your home, too. Shop Blinds.com right now and save up to 45%. Up to 45% off for a limited time at Blinds.com. Blinds.com. Rules and restrictions may apply. What up and welcome into another edition of the Cleveland Sports Beat Podcast. I'm James Erpine. He is Daryl Ryder. We are your beat writers for 92.3 The Fan and 923thefan.com. We have plenty to discuss today. Browns, obviously not off to the start that everyone had hoped for. We will talk plenty about the Brown and Orange. Look ahead to Monday night's matchup with the Jets as well. We'll talk about the Tribe. Is Zach Plesak fresh off of a complete game, the first one of his career? The Indians just a half game out of the wild card as we record this on Wednesday afternoon. First things first, though, you should subscribe to this podcast. iTunes, Google Play, Stitcher, wherever you get your podcasts, including the Radio.com app. We do this each and every week. Browns, Indians, Cavaliers, we got you covered on all things Cleveland. Daryl, let's dive into the Browns, though. Do we have to? It, yeah. It, it, you've been doing it uh, for, what, three days now. Let's briefly talk about Sunday before we dive into next Monday and their Week 2 matchup with the Jets. To me, the first three, almost three quarters, two and a half, two and, and three quarters of the third quarter, went about how I expected. I thought it was going to be a physical game. I thought it was going to be a tough game. I thought that the Browns might be trailing at points, but that they would find a way. But when you mix in 18 penalties, when you mix in the undisciplined, when you're, one of your best linemen gets ejected and you have multiple injuries and you throw three interceptions, that's a bit hard to overcome. And we saw that in the final 17 minutes of that game. Pretty ugly ending to what, uh, what was a game that started off so wonderful for the Browns. Yeah, I mean, they, they came out of the gate firing on all cylinders, no question about it. Uh, a lot of fun to watch. They did exactly what I thought they were going to do going into that game, James, and that was try and punch the Titans in the mouth. That's exactly what they were able to accomplish. So then they wheels come off the wagon. Like, the offense just looks lost. They don't know what to do, whatever, the penalties, everything. I mean, you're first and 20, first and 25 all the time. You, just, you cannot win like that 18 penalties that they were actually assessed 20 flags in total you had you know greg robinson getting thrown out because he kicked the guy in the head mm-hmm. kenny vaccaro the titan safety kicked him in the head that's inexcusable miles garrett's lucky he didn't get thrown out for the open-handed punch uh, at the end of a play but you had five offensive holding three defensive holding two false starts two roughing the passer a blindside block a disqualification for kicking an opponent, illegal use of hands, offensive pass interference, unnecessary roughness, offsides, unsportsmanlike conduct, and an illegal double-team block. And full disclosure, I just read all that off because that was entirely too much to memorize. (laughs) But I had to write it down to, like, you know, keep track of all of it. So it's just not a winning formula, okay? Mm -hmm. 
They did not play winning football on Sunday afternoon. It was a disappointing debut. It sucked the life out of the stadium. It sucked the life out of your fans who were all excited that the same old Browns were finally dead, that we weren't going to be dealing with things like this. And then what do they do? They lay the biggest egg in week one since... They got their ass kicked by the Pittsburgh Steelers in 1999, the first game back. They, they got beat worse than they did in 2007 when they traded Charlie Fry the next freaking day to Seattle. <laughs> okay, 30-point um, defeat, complete disappointment. Now they got to go back to the drawing board. And oh, by the way, game number two, Monday Night Football, New York Jets, your former defensive coordinator slash interim head coach who's still very, very pissed he's not the head coach of this football team. Can't yeah. wait. Yeah, I mean, it's, it's a tough ask, and the, the schedule's tough early on. Here are my two concerns from, from Sunday, and then we'll get to, to next week's game. One, Freddie Kitchens. And I know it's one game, and I know people are going to say it's unfair, but he deserves criticism because the team, well, we talked about it last week, the way he ran the training camp, how buttoned up it seemed, how very blue-collar and physical and, and just, like, it seemed like he was doing what needed to be done to build this team the right way and give them the right mentality going into things, but they were the most undisciplined team I've ever seen. The, the, the kicks, uh, the awful penalties, um, or, or the kick, I should say, but, but the multiple different um, unsportsmanlike conduct penalties that, that really cost them. So that's one. Freddie Kitchens, that's on him. He's got to find a way to figure that out for next week. The second thing that concerns me is Baker Mayfield. And, and, and here's the thing with Baker, and, and I think he's great. Uh, people can go check my tweets from me, pre-me moving to Cleveland. I was on the Baker train. The night the Browns drafted him, I was on it. Before that at Oklahoma, I was on it. I thought the kid had it. I still think he does. But we've seen this before. A couple years ago, Derek Carr had a really good season. Yep. The next year kind of regressed a little bit. People are going to blame the offensive line. Baker wasn't his normal self, and that could be because he didn't get enough preseason reps. could be because he wasn't working with OBJ and Jarvis Landry enough in the preseason. It might just be that, but it's worth noting. It's worth paying attention to because those are the two guys. Freddie Kitchen sets the tone. Baker Mayfield, franchise quarterback. You need them to be on their A game, especially when you're going to shoot yourself in the foot and have 18 penalties. So th those are the two concerns I have. Those two guys. I'm not worried about Odell. I'm not worried about the Watchgate. I'm not worried about Jarvis. Uh, I'm not worried about Rashard Higgins. I'm not worried about Nick Chubb. I think he'll get the ball more next week. I'm not worried about any of that. Discipline, Baker Mayfield being great. Those are the two keys. Yeah, uh, Baker did not play well. He deserves criticism for that. The safety, completely on him, was looking com at the left side of the field the whole time. Had he, he held on to the ball a lot. Yep. H had he looked to his right, he had a check down. Now, granted, it wasn't going to go for the big home run play, but it would have gotten him out of jail and, and saved the two points. He was clearly uncomfortable, whether that's because of the offensive line shuffling. Listen, the offensive line certainly deserves criticism, but overall, I thought they played pretty well, James, considering the shuffling that occurred after Greg Robinson got thrown out. And, you know, and this is... It, first of all, it's okay to criticize Baker Mayfield. He's not perfect, okay? And this is part and parcel of his growth process. There's no debate whether or not he's the franchise, he's the leader of the team, etc. That's not a debate. He absolutely unequivocally is. But there's going to be some growing pains when you talk about a young quarterback. And this is part of 
the process, okay? And so that game Sunday where, as you mentioned, he looked uncomfortable, not reading the field very well, staring down some of his receivers. I thought on a couple occasions they were more focused on trying to hit the big home run play rather than taking what was given to them. Uh, and, and again, those are things that they're going to work through. So I'm not necessarily, I don't, I, I guess what I'm saying, James, is maybe I don't share your concern about Baker in that regard. I think he's going to be fine, but he's going to have, he's also going to take his lumps mm-hmm. and he's going to have, he's going to have clunkers like that Sunday. Statistically, he was fine, except for that fourth quarter <laughs> when he threw the three interceptions. And I think that, that was what was most. It, it was as if he just hit the effort button, okay. Mm-hmm. And well, it, I think the first one he just didn't see him at all, right? And you know he took accountability for the throw to Odell that got picked off. He said, "Hey, Odell was where he was supposed to be, right depth, right route, right timing. I threw a terrible football. I got to get the ball to him. That's on me." And that's what leaders do. They take accountability for their mistakes. So I'm not concerned with it. I'm, am I disappointed? Sure, because I expected a little more. But I'm not concerned that Baker Mayfield uh, is, I don't know, the word I'm looking for here. I just, I'm not concerned about him as a player. I think that this is part and parcel of the process of him being in his second season. That was his, only his 14th NFL start. Mm-hmm. He's thrown touchdowns in every one of his starts, which he's get, he's continues that march toward, I think the record's 20, 20 or 23 straight games uh, starting out your career throwing touchdowns. So um, I think he's going to be okay. He'll learn from that. Sure. But it, but it was, un- without question, you're absolutely right. It, it, was, it was disappointing. And, uh, you know, I'm interested to see now how he and his teammates respond. Yeah, and that's it. That's what we're going to see this week. We're going to see what they're made of. Are they Hollywood? Are they Flash? Or are they, no, nah, we're, we're going to button up the chin strap and bring it. Because the Jets are going to bring it. And you mentioned it at the top. Greg Williams is going to have his team have his defense with two chin straps. You yep. better believe he's going to want them to punish Odell Beckham Jr. Oh, you you want to leave even even though he came from the Giants. You want to you want to go to Cleveland and be this flashy guy? No, no, no. He's going they're going to want to put multiple helmets into the chest of Baker Mayfield. They're going to want to punish them and make an example out of them. And Greg Williams that dude's petty, man. He, you mentioned how he wanted the, the Browns head coaching job. That dude is going to – like I almost wish I had a camera just following him around on the sideline to hear and see his reaction pre- and post-game and, and during the game because it is going to be nuts. And that's the thing. If you unraveled at home and, and got multiple unnecessary roughness penalties and Miles Garrett and Greg Robinson and all these guys are losing composure, what's going to happen when you're not at home, you're – Monday night football, the lights are brightest. You're in East Rutherford against the Jets dealing with, you know, the brightest of lights, right, in prime time. What happens if they get off to a quick start and Sam Darnold hits Jamison Crowder or Le'Veon Bell? That's a talented football team in the the Jets. They added. Say what you want about Sam Darnold. I think he's a really good young quarterback. That is a hard game, and that's why beating the Titans was so important because of how hard the schedule is, and now suddenly – it's almost. It feels like a must win. Week two feels like a must win, Daryl. You can't start zero and two, and have to deal with the Rams on Sunday night football. I just, to me, it, it feels. And I, it's too early to use the must win, 
but it feels no, like it. No, it's not. It feel doesn't it feel like it? It it, it no, it it doesn't it is. It it is a must win because here, here's the schedule. They, if you don't win at the Jets, that's 0 and 2. Then you've got the Rams on Sunday night football, which by the way, part of the reason why the networks put the Browns early in the season on national TV Don't say it. was just in case, <laughs> just in case they were a rotten egg. Yeah. Okay. So um, that's 0-3. I have to put an asterisk on the Ravens. It's the freaking Dolphins. Everyone's going to drop 50 on the Dolphins this year, including the Browns. Lamar Jackson's good. I we'll see. I've said it. We'll from day see. One, Lamar Jackson's a good. Football it was player. the Dolphins. Um, but but then but you got to go to San Francisco at, at Baltimore is tough regardless yeah, of who's then, then you got to go to San Francisco on Monday Night Football. Come back on a short week to host Seattle at one o'clock on a Sunday afternoon. Then you go to your bye week. Then New England and Denver, and they're going to be a second half team. I'm convinced. Looking at, the, looking at the schedule, the way it lays out, I got them 6-2 and two in the second half. But the key to my 10-6 and six formula, and oh, by the way, I'm now chuckling a little bit at all the people that excoriated me on Twitter because I said the Browns were going to go 10-6 and six and finish second in the AFC North. I said the exact same thing. I'm looking pretty good right now. Heck, I picked them Actually, to Actually, I'm not looking good. No. Because they might not get to 10-6. I'm mad I have 10-6 and six right now. I'd move to 9-7 and seven if I could. Well, That was one of my 10, was the Titans. Right. Now, this being the NFL, and I wrote this in, my, in, in one of my many season previews. I forget which one. <laughs> but it's, yeah. the, it's the NFL... So you're going to win a game or two that everyone writes you off and says you have no chance to win, okay? So what are those games? Those are the Rams, the Seahawks, and the Patriots, okay? And you're going to lose a game or two that everyone says you should unequivocally win. Mm -hmm. So what games are those? Those are the two against the Bengals, I'd probably throw the Arizona Cardinals in there, the uh, Buffalo Bills, and the Miami Dolphins. There's five, those are five games that the Browns unequivocally should absolutely win. Mm-hmm. Okay, And so you're probably going to lose one or two of those games because that's, that's the ebb and flow of the real NFL. Sure. And this is something, Browns fans, you're going to have to get used to. This is also part and parcel to sucking for 20 years is that you lose perspective as a fan of how the NFL works, because your team just sucks all the time, okay? So now I'm explaining to you how this works. The Patriots, six-time Super Bowl champions, they've played their fair share of clunkers. It happens. Last year got worked like a 9-5 to five by Mike Vrabel and the Titans. Right. So, yeah, and that shows, one, by the, way, the total- Titans can do that. Incredible moment in training camp when the Titans went up to Foxborough for a couple of practices and they presented Vrabel with a trophy for, yeah. being, for, for doing that. I thought that was great. Who says Bill Belichick and Tom Brady don't have a sense of humor? That's anyway, right. so understand that. And no question, Sunday was a clunker. It, it is what it is. There's nothing you can do about it now. There's no use crying over it. It was disappointing. Now the focus has to be on the Jets. Greg Williams is still pissed. He's not the head coach of this team. He's got a lot of red ass in him that you talked about. Mm-hmm. Okay, he's going to bring the house at Baker Mayfield. Um, he's going to use every ounce of knowledge. I kind of chuckled when Freddie Kitchens was asked on Tuesday, "Hey, uh, 
Greg Williams is on the other side now, and you guys really came together and got this thing turned around. Mm-hmm. And he's not too thrilled that he you're sitting where he feels he should be sitting. Are you going to change anything so that he can't? And Freddie's like, yeah, no, not really. <laughs> it's the well, I would probably recommend Freddie dip into the bag of tricks because he's he's going to need it uh, Monday night against the Jets because Greg Williams will want to win that game more than any game on their schedule. Mm-hmm. The Cleveland Browns in Week 2, Monday Night Football, Greg Williams wants to give him a big old bleep burger to eat. You know what the key to the game is? Pretty simple, and it isn't tricks. I, I'm fine with tricks, and you could certainly run them with this offense. It's Nick Chubb. You're going to have to go in there and out-physical the Jets. Hopefully, too. That's got to be, that's gotta be from the get-go. It I'll, isn't gonna, we're not going to trick the Jets. We're going to go in there, and we're going to punch them in the mouth, but we're going to do oh, it. Oh, yeah, yeah. I'm, not, I'm not saying you're like running a bunch of flea flickers no, and no, reverses no, 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 and stuff no. like that. I, I'm, just, I'm saying just saying that that's my key, and I, and I was waiting to say, like, Nick Chubb, 20 carries, averaging four and a half yards per carry and punishing every Jets defender that tries to tackle him. That's the blueprint to winning on Monday Night Football. And then Tuesday... We're talking about how this team's one and one, and they have a real shot against the Rams on a short week, and and who knows what happens after that. You know, everything changes week to week. Yeah. And and so that to me is the key. That'll open things up for Odell to make life easier on Baker. The offensive line can get downhill, and it it could really set the tone on primetime. I saw a stat, James, that blew my mind, and that was that the Browns ran 11 personnel like 94% of the snaps Sunday against the Titans. And last year, the Browns had, and I could be wrong on these numbers, so like, don't kill me, people. Um, last year, when they ran like twelve personnel, they had like the most success. So, hopefully, and that's what I meant by mixing it up. Sure. And don't you can't you can't be predictable against Greg Williams. Oh, if you if you if you're, you're going to lose, right? You'll lose. So, and, and looking at what the Jets did. Listen, the Cleveland Browns are the better football team, okay? And they're going to play a lot of games. Like, where they're they were, the better team than the Jets? I think that the. I don't know that. I, I think I'm saying from a talent perspective. I don't know that. I think that they're a better team than the Jets. I thought that from a talent perspective, they were a better team than the Titans. The and Jets, we saw the Jets we saw how that tit- ended. Jets added some talent this offseason. I understand that. So did the Browns. Sure. I'm just talking. We're just talking paper matchup here. Sure. Okay. I feel that week one, the Browns were a better team than the Titans on paper. Mm-hmm. The Titans came in and kicked their ass, and they shot themselves in the foot and also beat themselves. Mm-hmm. I think that the Browns on paper are a better team than the New York Jets, even with the talent additions that the Jets made in the offseason. I believe that. Yeah. I believe in the talent f- for the Browns. But which, there's a but coming. Which is something that I don't think I've ever done. <laughs> yeah, that's fair. Okay? Yeah. I believe in the talent, but, but got to go out and do it. Yeah, got just, just like Delaney Walker said, y'all want to crown him. Channeling is in a, in her Dennis Green. Crown him. Y'all got to play football still. Mm-hmm. This game in one on paper. This game in one by the who's got the best roster. Okay, this game is won between the white lines, and the Browns got their ass kicked in Week One, so. They need to come out focused this week. Knock off the extracurriculars because you know Greg Williams. Again, going back to that red ass, Greg is going to tell his guys, look at these knuckleheads. Guy gets kicked out for kicking a guy in the face. 
get into uh, Miles Garrett slapping a guy in the face mask with his palm of his hand. We're going to get can, under their we're, skin we're and gonna annoy the crap out of them. Shove, shove, push, twist, pull to the whistle. Piss them off. Get under their skin because they are going to do something stupid. And I go back to the joint practices in Indianapolis against the Colts. And I admit, at the t- I, I pride myself on having a, a, a pretty good analytical mind where I can step back, I can look at the situation objectively, I can see both sides of the story and come to a reasonable conclusion. Mm-hmm. And I admit... Uh, you know, watching from afar, seeing the reports coming from Indianapolis about all the fights that took place, especially on that se- that second practice, and the fact that they had to shut down a special teams drill because it just turned into a boxing match. And you know, Freddie Kitchens throughout training camp had said, "We're not fighting, we're not teaching penalties, we're not doing any of that nonsense." And then they go to Indianapolis, and that stuff occurs. And then he's like. I'm proud of my guys for sticking up for themselves. We're not taking crap from anybody. We, you know, we have to defend ourselves. And da, da, da. and it was like a 180. And, yeah, they stood up for themselves Sunday against the Titans, but they paid a price. Second guy always gets caught. And so I think Freddie now has to do a course correction. And question is, can your team, from a discipline standpoint, James, make that course correction in the middle of the season? I realize we're only one weekend. It's not like it's week eight. But you're in season now, and y- your message has been, don't take no BS from anyone. And I get it. I'm the, dude, I'm like the same way. It's like the guy, you know, the, the, the fan that's getting banned for pouring the beer on the Titans. Well, stay the hell out of the, out of the, the dog pound. Mm-hmm. Don't go in there. I don't care if there's Titan fans there or not. By the way, you, Chad Johnson did it years and years ago. Got beard on him, beer poured on him. It was not a big deal. I know. I'm just saying, though. Like, I, I just hate that Logan Ryan made it this huge deal. You jumped into opposing fans. It makes right. no sense. Stay out of the stands. Now, I'll hear your argument if you're running by and the fan leans over the railing and dumps the well, beer on you. Absolutely. That's stupid, yeah. Or like in New England, was it last year or the year before? It was on Sunday Night Football. The fa- is, uh, uh, I forget what game it was, but um, uh, opponent scored a touchdown and he's in go, go, running through the end zone. The fan threw the beer on him yep. and, the fan, and the fan got banned. Sure. We're talking about a player, though, that came in or tried to come into the stands to celebrate in the dog pound. And I understand, and I'm not condoning the behavior of dumping the beer on uh, players and stuff like that. I'm just saying, though, there is a cause and effect. There are repercussions to your actions. You kick a guy in the head, Greg Robinson, you get thrown out. You cost your team the game. Right. That changed the entire game. Devereux Lawrence, you tell an official, F you, you're going to get a 15-yard penalty regardless of what the official said to you. Sure. That's just, there, there's a cause and effect here, all right? So, Logan Ryan, you jump into the dog pound, some stuff's going to happen. That's, that, that's just the way it is. Again, I'm not condoning the behavior. I'm just speaking in reality here. Mm-hmm. I remember the days where they used, at the old Cleveland Stadium, they had to switch ends of the field because batteries and dog biscuits were coming out of the dog pound, <laughs> and it was not safe for players. Sure. Okay? And again, I'm mentioning that for historical reference. I'm not condoning the behavior. I'm just saying, Cleveland State coming into Cleveland, it, it, it's hostile territory. You know, when you go into an opponent's stadium, you're going into hostile territory. When the Browns go to the Meadowlands Monday night, they're going into hostile territory. That's just the reality of the situation. Again, I want to emphasize, I'm not condoning 
pouring beer on athletes. I'm not condoning throwing objects at athletes. I'm just saying, though, if you come into the stands or you attempt to come into the stands, even if you're trying to celebrate with your fans, stuff is probably going to happen or you put yourself in a position where stuff's going to happen. And to me, you lose your right to complain and cry about it. Yeah, you're right. He's Daryl Ryder. I'm James Erpine. This is the Cleveland Sports Beat Podcast. Real quick, um, Freddie Kitchens. I'm going to learn a lot about Freddie Kitchens this week. We are. Because you mentioned that, the, the, the flip switch, the changing of messages. If they're not buttoned up on Monday Night Football, I, I might be selling the stock quickly on him. And I know that sounds awful, and it's real soon, and it's a lot to ask, but this team is too talented, and if they go 6-10, and 10, the, hot, the seat is going to be warm. This is not or hot, not even warm. This is not a, a three-year rebuild. They're, they're not a 6-10 and 10 team. They're expected to win now. So you start out 0-2, and, and you don't look buttoned up back-to-back weeks, and you get embarrassed by the Titans at home, and then you lose to the Jets. I'm just – you can't do it, especially if it's because of penalties and the same things we saw last week. So he's, he's got to get that cleaned up. That's it. To me, I would be physical. you got to match the Jets' physicality to the whistle, run the ball a lot, and be disciplined. And you know what's going to – do gonna, that, everything will be fine. And you know what's going to happen, too, the snowball effect which is something I am concerned about because we saw that in the fourth quarter against the Titans where it snowballed on them mm-hmm. and it got away from them. And that, that, that was a 15-13 to 13 game at the end of the third quarter. With two minutes to go. It was right before the Derrick Henry Right, and then they, they hit the screen, and now it goes back. It's 22-13. 22-13, interception. Game. But you're still in the game at that point. But then, the, yeah, the interception, and then it's over. Right. The interception oh. gets turned into a touchdown eventually. I remember uh, then you to my come wife. Ba- then you come like, back on the field. You throw another interception that gets, and then it's game over. I, I turn to my wife after the, the interception, and then the Titans go and score, and I'm like, "Oh my God, they're going to lose this game." Yeah, I did not. I did not so, think until even after the screen, I was like, "Now it's shaky." Yeah, you can score two touchdowns in the fourth. And here's what I'm talking about: that snowball effect. Because if you lose to the Jets, you're 0 two. You lose to the Rams, you go 0-3. Ravens, if you lose that one, now you're 0-4. Ravens and 49ers on the road, those are hard games. But that's what I'm talking about, the snowball effect, and that's why I do agree with you. I know it's only week two, but it is a must-win for the Browns. He's Daryl Ryder. I'm James Erpine. Up next, we'll do a little Browns, but we'll get to the Indians as well as they continue to make their playoff push. That's next on the Cleveland Sports Beat Podcast. Worried about letting someone else pick out the perfect avocado for your perfect impress-them-on-the-third-date guacamole? Well, good thing Instacart shoppers are as picky as you are. They find ripe avocados like it's their guac on the line. They are milk expiration date detectives. They bag eggs like the 12 precious pieces of cargo they are. So let Instacart shoppers overthink your groceries so that you can overthink what you'll wear on that third date. Download the Instacart app to get free delivery on your first three orders while supplies last. Minimum $10 per order. Additional terms apply. (sighs) Spring is a time of renewal, so why not refresh your home with a little help from Blinds.com? We make getting custom window treatments a minor project with major impact. Choose from premium blinds, shades, and shutters. We even have options for your patio, too. Blinds.com invented a better way to shop for custom window treatments. There's no pushy salespeople in your home or inflated showroom prices. Our design experts can help you find the perfect window treatments on your schedule. We'll even send free samples directly to you. 
Plus, we can handle the measuring and installation for you. Unlimited window treatments installed for just one low cost. And with Blinds.com, you'll always get transparent pricing. No hidden fees. Our free shipping and 100% satisfaction guarantee can put the spring back into your step. And into your home, too. Shop Blinds.com right now and save up to 45%. Up to 45% off for a limited time at Blinds.com. Blinds.com. Rules and restrictions may apply. Welcome back into the Cleveland Sports Beat Podcast. He's Del Ryder. I'm James Erpine. We're about to get to into the Indians in about two minutes, but uh, let's end the conversation on the Browns here, Daryl. Do you see them getting it done on Monday night? I do. I, I think they go into New York. I think they win. It's it's going to be a dogfight, though. Um, as I mentioned earlier, Greg Williams wants to win this game more than anything, and I think that that could be an advantage for the Browns. Sure, and because, that's the thing. This is the guy Greg, who had the safety 50, feet, 50 yards behind the line of scrimmage. Right, um, because Greg Williams is a guy that he will go to the deep end of the pool, like right out of it. Like he, he, just, he will overdo it, and I think he'll get over-aggressive, and I think that the Browns can take advantage of that over-aggressiveness because what's he want to do? He wants to blitz the crap out of Baker Mayfield, He and I, I think that, if Baker is able to get the ball out quickly, hit his first or second read, I think that they'll be in good shape. But I really think that opportunity knocks for the Browns to take advantage of Greg Williams' over-aggressiveness and Greg Williams' massive ego. I'm predicting multiple, I don't want to say multiple, but at least a touchdown for Odell Beckham Jr., that dude shines when the lights are the brightest. Watch, no watch, doesn't matter. Swatch, doesn't matter what he's on his dang <laughs> wrist, all right? That dude's getting into the end zone somehow. But I think the key, is, and I said it earlier in the and podcast. And that's his stadium. It's, it's Nick Chubb. It's the house that Odell built. Nick Chubb, okay? Get him the ball. Be physical, but not over physical. There's a physical discipline, and I think that's the key because I think you can beat up on, on Greg Williams in that defense a bit, if you're able to run the ball four, four and a half yards a carry from Chubb, then it'll set up things for Baker, set up things for Odell and Jarvis and Higgins, assuming he plays, and really make life easier on the offense. Here, here's the thing about Nick Chubb, and I don't disagree with you. I'm just throwing some facts at you, though. Here we go. He did get 20 touches Sunday. He ran 17 times for 75 yards. He caught three passes for 10 yards. Mm-hmm. He did get tw- so he got his touches against the Titans. It's not like he wasn't included in the game plan. Sure. Okay. No. I understand what you're saying. I agree. Nick Nick, Nick what Chubb was his is, average. His his average was four four. Okay. On the ground. Did it ever feel like the Browns had matched or matched the physicality of the Titans? No. His longest run, by the way, was 15 yards. Were you surprised when you looked at those final numbers? Yeah. Yeah. It was because that's surprising it, to me. Yeah, like it, it, it never felt right. It felt like a very quiet seventeen carries correct. for seventy five yards. And that's the thing is, it, they, and 17, you know why? Seventeen, the numbers fine. It's got to be much louder. I well, guess is the way and the you reason say. why it felt like it was a very quiet seventeen for seventy five is because he didn't have a big hitter. You know, his mm-hmm. longest run was tw- was fifteen yards, and we're used to Nick Chubb hitting a 25, 30, 35, 45 yard run in a game. Okay, that will push his yards per carry average up. Sure, he'll still get that four yards on a carry, but I'm just saying, like the 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 big hit run that we're used to seeing from him, 
that jacks his average up, we did not get that Sunday. We only got we got that 15 yard pop, and that was it. Yeah, so it'll be interesting. I. I, I just can't see the Browns going 0-2, so right now, on a Wednesday, I'm leaning them winning. At the same time, I think it's going to be a tough, tough I can ask. see it. I just don't want to think about it. I'm sure you I, don't. I, I mean, I, no, I'm just I'm being honest. Oh. Like I, I can, can see are, it. I don't want to think about it. Well, they're just too good to be 0-2. They're too good to be 0-2. I know. I'm aware. Which, which means next week, if they're 0-2, we're going to be talking. I'm the one preaching I, about how awesome they are. I don't know are. how we're not going to be talking about Freddie if they go 0-2. All right, he's Daryl Ryder. I'm James Erpine. Let's dive into the Indians, um, who aren't 0-2. They're, as we record this, 85-61 and 61 on the season. They're 85-61, and 61 and I just feel like the ship is sinking, and I feel terrible for that. They're a half game back in the wild card. Yeah. Relax. I know. It's all right. I Five just, games behind the Twins, which... They're not going to catch. Probably not, but they're giving themselves a shot. If they handle business tonight against the Angels, they will have a shot in the division. I, I'm willing to say that. I really think so. The, here's they're the going to have to sweep the Twins, but that's what, that's something. No, you know what's crazy? They needed to, they needed to sweep the previous series against the Twins, which they did not do. They got two of three. I under, let me finish. Yeah. They need to sweep this upcoming series. The problem is, is the Twins are playing an easy freaking schedule, so they're not losing. And the Indians uh, are not it, playing an easy a pretty schedule. tough schedule. Yeah, I mean, it, it's funny when you look at the Angels and you're like, that's a cupcake. They're okay. The Indians, I know Trout's out, but they're, they're okay. And the Indians, to their credit, have handled business. The Indians are going to win 92 games, which is, by the way, what I said they would probably do. I think I said 93, 94 wins. Mm-hmm. And they're going to meet that. Pat myself on the back because everyone was laughing at me when I said that. Including me, I had 88 wins. And in spite of everything that they've been through, they're going to do this, and the season's going to still feel somewhat disappointing. And again, I feel terrible saying that, considering all of this, all these injuries and the stuff that they've been through, but it it just, I don't know, it just feels like something's, you know, is missing if they Mm -hmm. don't get into the postseason. And... You know, I, I've I, maintained I, all along. I think they get in. I think they find I think, a way. I think Terry Francona has done one of his best managerial jobs ever this year. I really do. And I know people bitch and moan about the bunting and some of the situational things that he calls or whatever. Guess what? If everything works that he calls, none of you are bitching about anything. I think Terry Francona is is one of the best managers in baseball. He really is. And he doesn't get the credit in this town that he deserves, or he gets the credit, but it's from a very small, segmented portion of the fan base. I would not chase Terry Francona out of town. You know, the people like, oh, let fire Terry Francona and all this. Are you, they don't know what the hell they're talking it, about. It's like, it's, it's like, it's pretty ste- simple. Well, no, it's like Steeler fans that are like, fire Mike Tomlin. It's the same thing. What, what did actually, that's a good, that's you, a good you, do, you just What you, did we just say about Freddie Kitchens? Discipline. Yeah. Responding to adversity, figuring out how they're going to flip the script. Terry Francona's had to flip the script multiple times this year. His ace, Corey Kluber, goes down in the first month. Trevor Bauer underachieves. Carlos Carrasco gets injured um, slightly and, and battles through it and has his struggles. And, and then they realize that part of it had to do, uh, or a big part of it probably had to do with him having leukemia. So he, he's, he's going through that. So you have a, a player on your team going through that, and you're going with all these rookie pitchers, and you're dealing with a rookie center fielder, and, and all of a sudden you inherit Yasiel Puig, and Francisco Lindor had an injury, and Jason Kipnis had an injury. Yep. It, it was just one thing after another after another, and I could keep going on and on and on, and he found a way to do it. I'm with you. 
I don't give a damn if he bunts anytime he wants to bunt. I'm willing to take in life, in relationships, you take the good with the bad. But like, right, like there are things my wife does not like about me, but sometimes the good things wash out the bad well, enough she, for her. She to married think, you. That's why. Cor- correct. Right. So. But, the but juice the, is worth the squeeze. There's more good than bad. Correct. That's the how, good is worth dealing with I don't with know how I tricked her into thinking that, but I did. And so that's the thing is, is with Terry Francona, is he going to be perfect? No, but no manager is. And look around baseball. You know how many teams would want Terry Francona? Keep him here. And, and that's why I'm glad they extended him through 2022. No, I think the Indians make the playoffs. It, it's wild because you're right. They're going to win 92 to 94 games and not win the division. Yeah. I thought they were going to – I picked them to win the division – with 88 wins. I thought the Twins would be between 84 and 85 wins. I really did. I mean, they're just much better than anybody thought, and, and they found a way. So hopefully the Indians can get it done. Uh, make sure you keep it locked on our website, 923thefan.com. Plenty there on the Tribe now in their series against the Angels, and then this weekend I will be at the ballpark covering every second of it on our website at 923thefan.com. All right, let's, uh, Darrell, let's get to... Uh, the worst news we've had in a long time uh, when, when we're talking about uh, the Cleveland sports scene, and obviously we break down games, but they are games, and the, things like that put it in perspective. But uh, the sudden passing on Monday uh, of Cavaliers uh, play-by-play TV announcer Fred McLeod, just uh, heartbreaking, uh, I, I guess is, is the word to, to describe it, um, for the the entire community of Cleveland and, and really sports fans across the country. And um, it was just uh, really unfortunate. Yeah. Um, and one of those things that I don't know how I knew it completely, it just completely caught everybody off guard. Yeah. And unfortunately it, it is a part of life and death tends to catch, catch us all off guard. Um, I tweeted this last night that, you know, we all have an expiration date, you know, none of us get out of life alive Fred was the salt of the earth. He, you know, in our business, which is full of a lot of people with big egos, that was not Fred. He was always, always willing to to lend a, a helping hand. I always appreciated anytime he'd see me, he'd seek me out because he wanted to talk Browns football with me. He <laughs> wanted to know what was going on with the Brownies. Um, leading up to the the, the fourth preseason game uh, in Cleveland because he was calling the Detroit Lions preseason games. He only called me up, hey, Daryl, can I uh, bend your ear on the Browns? I need some information. I'm sitting there thinking, you're Fred McLeod. <laughs> like, what do you need me for? Like, I was humbled that he, you know, asked me um, for that. But, um, you know, and I, you know, told him what I knew. Gave him, you know, he came out to practice for a couple of days and just – and. and just a a wonderful human being and it's just it's it's tough to process why the good ones always get taken from us early and he really was one of the good ones never a bad word to say about anybody always the eternal optimist um he loved the cavaliers he loved uh cleveland he loved uh cleveland fans um he loved his wife more than anything in the world beth she too you know, one of the sweetest people you ever meet in the world. Uh, my heart aches for her in uh, what she's uh, going through right now. I, I, I'm still shocked by it. Um, I, I didn't believe it when I got the news on Tuesday. I still don't believe it as we record this podcast on Wednesday. I'm, I know I'm going to miss him tremendously. 
one of the things I always look forward to, and I tweeted this as well, I loved walking into that arena uh, because I got to talk to Fred. Like, he was one of the people that I always look forward to seeing and talking to. And he was always generous with his time because I don't cover the Cavs on a full-time basis. And so, you know, I would always lean on him, you know. So I actually kind of feel good that maybe I was a little able to kind of pay it back, pay him back for his generosity towards me because I was always bending his ear about what was going on with the Cavs so that I was knowledgeable and I wouldn't get in a scrum and ask a really stupid question because I, you know. <laughs> I'm you've, not, done, I, you've done that occasionally. I have. I'm just, I'm just we, we all have. Yeah, we, oh, I, my gosh, we all have. But yeah. his energy was infectious. And, um, yeah, it just, it, it's very, very difficult to process. And, uh, you know, it's not like we were best friends or we went golfing together or, you know, whatever, but, um, it, it hit me yesterday. I'm not going to lie. And, um, he's going to be missed tremendously. I know I'm going to miss him. And, uh, you know, uh, I, I, I feel for his family and his friends. Yeah. A somber note to, to end the podcast, but certainly, uh, certainly one that was, uh, unexpected, but our thoughts and prayers definitely with. Uh, the McLeod family, and, and hopefully um, all of the, because I, I mean, it was all over Twitter, uh, the videos, I, I mean, I think they're still going on as as we record this, there's just everyone reacting, and, and not one person had anything bad to say, and I, I hope that they find comfort in that, with how many people he touched. By the way, I'm shocked he was 67 years old. He, di- he didn't look anywhere near, he kept himself in great shape. Yeah. I hope I look anywhere near what he did when he was in his 60s. Yeah, you know, and I think that there's a lesson to be learned in this as well. Unfortunately, it takes tragedy to bring out the best in people. Um, And you're right, like, Twitter yesterday gave me hope for humanity because it really is a vile medium um, at times. Some of the the, the vitriol that's there, and I'm just talking about sports. I'm not even talking about the political vitriol that's out there today either. Um, you know, as we record this podcast, it's the anniversary of the 9-11 attacks, which was one of the few times that this country really galvanized and came together. It took a tragedy of that magnitude. Uh, and the same thing here, you know, um, it's treating people with kindness and respect, regardless of their race, their beliefs, their religion, their orientation, whatever, like it costs you nothing to be nice to somebody. It costs you nothing to say, hey, how are you? Even if you have no interest. Sure. We do it all the time in our business. Hey, how you doing? <laughs> I really don't care. I'm just being polite. <laughs> like, it, being nice to people costs you nothing, you know? And I really wish that we could learn that sure. and, and, and exercise that. And, and that was Fred. He didn't care who you were. He was nice to everybody. He said hi to everybody, uh, you know, the, the volume of people that he helped in his career. One of my good friends, John Tellich from, from Fox 8, you know, I, I, I admit got a little dusty reading his tribute to Fred and how he told the story of when he took over and replaced Fred at Channel 8 because Fred got a, a better opportunity. That's how they became friends because, you know, Fred gave him pointers and, it, you know, helped him do his. That's who Fred McLeod was. Mm-hmm always willing to help everybody and anybody. He never asked for anything in return. Um, and he, he had the same infectious energy, whether the Cavaliers were in the NBA Finals or whether they were winning 19 games. No doubt. You know, 
and he loved what he did. Um, he had a passion for what he did, and it came through when, when you watched him. But, um, you know, life is short. It's precious. And, uh, you know, I, I just I think that we all can learn from Fred in how we interact with each other and how we treat each other. And, you know, we don't do enough helping of each other. Uh, and he, that's just who he was at his core. It wasn't fake. It wasn't phony. What you, what you saw, those of you listening in this podcast that aren't in our business that maybe didn't know Fred McLeod personally, what you saw on television each and every night wasn't an act. That is who Fred McLeod was how he was on a microphone with that headset on every night is exactly who he was the moment he took the headset off. Same person, and he will be missed. All right. Well, that's, uh, that's going to do it for us. Uh, make sure you keep it locked on 92.3thefan.com all week, all weekend long, plenty on the Browns, plenty on the Indians. And if there is uh, any Cavs news, we got you covered there as well. So um, thank you so much for listening. Make sure you subscribe, iTunes, Google Play, Stitcher, and wherever you get your podcasts, including the Radio.com app. Until next week, he's Daryl Ryder. I'm James Rapine. Thank you so much for listening to the Cleveland Sports Beat Podcast. <sighs> Spring is a time of renewal, so why not refresh your home with a little help from Blinds.com? We make getting custom window treatments a minor project with major impact. Choose from premium blinds, shades, and shutters. We even have options for your patio, too. Blinds.com invented a better way to shop for custom window treatments. There's no pushy salespeople in your home or inflated showroom prices. Our design experts can help you find the perfect window treatments on your schedule. We'll even send free samples directly to you. Plus, we can handle the measuring and installation for you. Unlimited window treatments installed for just one low cost. And with Blinds.com, you'll always get transparent pricing. No hidden fees. Our free shipping and 100% satisfaction guarantee can put the spring back into your step. And into your home, too. Shop Blinds.com right now and save up to 45%. Up to 45% off for a limited time at Blinds.com. Blinds.com. Rules and restrictions may apply.